Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bogey Corner. This is Carolina, and I am here today to talk to you about The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. So a little bit about the author. So I already said this on the non-spoilery version of this review. If you have already listened to that one, some of the things on there will be repeated here. Erin Morgenstern was born in 1978 in Massachusetts. She studied theater and studio art at Smith College. Aside from writing, she also paints mostly in acrylics. She signed with Inkwell Management in May 2010 after being rejected by 30 literary agents. Night Circus was published in September 2011. It has drawn comparisons with Harry Potter and the works of Neil Gaiman. While I agree that her books have the atmosphere that reminds me of Neil Gaiman's books, I disagree with the Harry Potter comparison uh, because the only thing that they have in common is the fact that there's magic in it. I'm a huge fan of Harry Potter, but I just don't think that anything that's fantasy or that has magical elements in it should be always compared to it because it's kind of a fair to the books that I mean to Harry Potter and to the book that's being compared with it because all books should stand on their own and I feel like the Night Circus stands on its own. So the synopsis of the Night Circus reads the Night Circus arrives without warning no announcements precede it it is simply there when yesterday it was not. Within the black and white striped canvas tents is an utterly unique experience full of breathtaking amazements. It is called Le Cirque des Rêves and it is only open at night but behind the scenes a few fierce competition is underway. A duel between two young magicians, Celia and Marco, who have been trained since childhood expressly for this purpose by their mercurial instructors. Unbeknownst to them, this is a game in which only one can be left standing, and the circus is but the stage for a remarkable battle of imagination and will. Despite themselves, however, Celia and Marco tumble headfirst into love, a deep, magical love that makes the lights flicker and the moon grow warm whenever they so much as brush hands. True love or not, the game must play out, and the fates of everyone involved, from the cast of extraordinary circus performers to the patrons, hang in the balance, suspended as precariously as the daring acrobats overhead. Written in rich, seductive prose, this spellcasting novel is a feast for the senses and the heart. All right, so my first reaction to this story was that I liked it. I liked it enough right away because there is an atmosphere to the story. There's just something about the way that the setting is described that makes me think that maybe the author treated it as if it were a character in the story instead of the setting. And I feel like that's why it works and that's why it just takes on a life of its own. And I really love that. I really liked it right away. So my liking of it was immediate. At the end, of the book I absolutely loved it I just loved it that that setting just just stole my heart and there were some characters in the story that just also stole my heart it was just so amazing I really liked the love story I I just loved the romance in this book it was really great I was left wanting so much more from it uh, as far as the characters go the characters are really good they were well developed but I did feel like maybe some of the relationships especially the main relationship could have used a little bit more development I was left wanting more from the relationship between Mark and Celia and I don't know it was just a little bit disappointing in that end but at the same time it's just like I can't say bad things about this book because there was just everything else was so good that even that little bit of the story doesn't take away from the overall experience that I had while reading it. As far as my more um, specific notes about this particular book this book is written in a non-linear narrative way. This did not bother me because it wasn't confusing in any way. If you don't know what non-linear is, it means that it is one, it's a kind of narrative that the plot doesn't happen in a chronological manner. So 
it jumps around and it's supposed to kind of bring thoughts of what human memory really is like, where we kind of jump from one place to another. That's kind of like what nonlinear does. So everything doesn't get explained in a very organized way. It kind of jumps back and forth. There are quite a few points of view, but that was not confusing either. It didn't feel as if it were out of place. The point of view was really different. Most of the narrative is written in third person, present tense. I understand why the author of this book decided to write in present tense because just made sense for the book. I found that because of the imagery and the beautiful language, I didn't care as much either as I do with a lot of other stories, especially when they're young adult. Um, this is considered young adult, but it is not. I don't think it necessarily should be. Hey guys, it's me editing here and I wanted to clarify something. Um, when I said that this book should be considered YA necessarily is because the characters in the book actually are adults for most of the book and usually that is considered adult fiction instead of young adult but it is still categorized as young adult so that's why I said that and I wanted to clarify that since uh, that could have been confusing. I don't really like present tense but I found that in this book because of the imagery and the beautiful language I didn't care as much as I do with other stories especially most of YA that uses present tense I, I tend not to really like that because it just I think it can be done well but it also can be done really really wrong. Um, in this case, it was done right. It, it was just well written. There are little interludes where it is written in present tense second person point of view. And second person point of view is where the author directly speaks to the reader. Hey guys, it's editing Carolina again. So I wanted to clarify about second person point of view here. I did say that it was when the author uh, talks to the audience. That, that is not necessarily true. Usually it is when the narrator that's telling the story is talking about another character or talks to the reader as you and it talks to you directly and uses the word you to say certain things in the story. Um, and it is a breaking of the fourth wall. Um, but I just wanted to clarify that too because I I know that that sounded a little bit confusing. Okay, back to the podcast. So it is a breaking of the fourth wall and I found that really cool. I really like the breaking of the fourth wall if it's done correctly and I feel like this book did a good job with it. Again, setting, amazing. I can't say enough about the setting. Guys, I can't say enough about the setting. It was just so good. It's vivid and alive somehow. It's alive almost as the circus that it talks about is. So as far as the issues that I had, there were very little issues. I think that my main main issue is that I was promised a love story and you do get a love story. I'm not saying that you don't, but it doesn't really begin until more than 60% through the novel. And I feel like the relationship between Marco and Celia, not that it needed to be developed more, but I feel like there needed to be more of it in the book since this was, I mean, it's in the synopsis that they fall in love with each other while going through this game. And I feel like there should have been a little bit more of that. I was kept wanting more. So we get a story that spans more than 10 years and we only get a few scenes with the two of them in it. And it made me really sad. It wasn't necessarily bad, but I, I was missing a little bit of that because if we were spanning 10 years of someone's relationship with, you know, two people's relationship, you, you would expect to get more of their love story. And I just feel like it didn't deliver 100% for me. Also, the fact that Marco didn't have a shadow was never explained. Alexander not having one is explained because he is so old. But what, but what gives with Marco? I mean, that left me a little bit confused. Also, 
also the name thing was also never explained and that left me slightly confused. So I wanted to know why Isabel lied about her name when she met Marco and why Marco says that his name is also not quite Marco. It just remained that way and I was left wanting to know that aspect of the story since it seems to be such a big part of it. Like there was never an explanation as to why people didn't give their right names to other people. I don't know. There must have been something there. I just don't feel like I ever got that. And if if it's in the story, I would love to know if you know that. Um, if you who is listening knows that because I, I never got that unless I completely missed it. There is also a little bit of a hint of a love triangle, um, but that did not pan out. I am not mad about it because I don't like love triangles, as I've said many, 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 many times before because it's just, it's such an overused plot device and I just, ugh, I'm not a fan. I feel like it's just, it's too much, especially in YA, there's always a love triangle. In this case, like it, it felt like there was gonna be one, but it wasn't there. However, the relationship between Marco and Isabel was never developed enough either. I feel like they were together for a while and she felt for, felt really hurt and betrayed about Marco then falling in love with Celia, but that was it. Like there was really nothing going there for it, for her to have been so hurt. We didn't get enough of that story to feel for Isabel or for Marco or for Celia in that situation. That said, Celia and Marco's love for one another does feel real somewhat. It spans a very long time, so it's believable that they would fall in love and remain in love. I like the star-crossed love lovers, uh, lovers kind of story. I just... Ugh, that was it's so good I, I love those kinds of stories I'm a sucker for stories where they're star-crossed and they just can't be together because of circumstances that just keep them apart I eat that up you guys I love that so much a lot of people complain about the ending, but I, I actually thought that it was a really good ending. It felt a little bit rushed, like there were loose ends that needed to be tied up, but I like that it was bittersweet and that it wasn't like sickly sweet at the end, right? Like a lot of endings are, especially in young adult where you're just like, okay, we get it. You lived happily ever after. Why are we getting a 2.5 novel now <laughs> explaining what you did after the story ended? This didn't do that. I love that. I really, I absolutely loved it. I love bittersweet endings. There's something about them that just, it catches my heart. And I just, I feel like if the story had been contained to a short amount of years or maybe had started later than when the book began which is when Celia is five then it would have felt more developed and the plot would have been perfect for me personally right it would have been perfect as in 100% perfect which no book will ever be which is why this book is still such a favorite book for me because I can understand that no book will ever be perfect and there will it will be lacking in some way or another for me personally other people might feel a little bit different about it and that's absolutely fine I'm just giving you my opinion on it I still think that it's probably one of the best books I've read. It is absolutely beautiful. I can see myself picking it up and reading it again and again because it's one of those. Oh, also, as far as characters go, I really love the clockmaker. He was so sweet. And also the fact that Celia made tents for Marco and he made tents for her so that they could think of one another while they were away when the circus was going on. I thought that was so incredibly sweet. I loved it. I ugh, What we got of the romance... I absolutely adored. As far as the grade book goes for this one, the plot gets a 1.25 for me because there were just a few things that weren't explained that I was expecting them to be explained. And of course, this is out of two. Every single one of these categories is out of two, just so you know. Characters get 1.5, dialogue 1.5, setting 2, and point of view 2 for a total of 8.25 out of 10. Not bad at all, is it? 
I absolutely adored this book. I hope you pick it up. And if you do, let me know. You can reach me at thebookycorner at gmail.com or on Instagram. I am also thebookycorner on Instagram. And uh, yeah, this is where I'm going to leave this one today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed. Let me know what you think. If you love it, go ahead and rate and review this on iTunes podcast so that it continues to be more visible for everybody else that wants to listen to this kind of book review. And uh, thank you. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. This episode of The Bookie Corner was recorded, edited, and produced by Carolina Castle. If you like what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell your bookie friends about it. Follow me on social media. I am The Bookie Corner on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you for joining me today, and I will talk to you next time.